Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you ever worked on something for a long time, only to have it only last a short time? That can be very disheartening. Jesus wants our service to Him to be long-lasting. He calls this service fruit. Fruitfulness in Jesus' eyes is loving and serving Jesus as well as serving others. While it might not look like much in our culture, it's a huge, eternally lasting thing in the kingdom of heaven. It's also a reflection of what Jesus has done and continues to do in our lives. This is a very big part of the Christian life. Let's hear what Jesus has to say in John 15 in the conclusion of Pastor Jim's message, Love Bears Fruit. Verse 16, Jesus continues. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. We might word it this way. You did not choose me, Jesus says to them, but on the contrary, I chose you. Now, people argue, did he just choose the apostles for their apostolic mission, or is he talking about all followers of Jesus in general? I think the answer to that question is yes. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Why? That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Some of your versions say that your fruit should last, that whatever you ask, this goes back to verses one through 11, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Oh my goodness, how that end of that verse has been twisted. We'll get to that in a second. Here we find out how earthly friendship, how friends, friendship with Jesus is so different than earthly friendships. Jesus says this, you did not choose me. The scripture says, none seek after God, no, not one. You did not choose me, Jesus says, but I chose you. Let's think about earthly friendships for a minute. Some people, they actually don't feel drawn to one another as friends. That's okay, as long as there's not hatred in your heart. We talked about that last week. But here's the thing. You don't have to be drawn to people as friends, as, you know, we're going to hang out and stuff like that. You can be friendly, but not necessarily say that they're friends. But you can still work together. You don't have to be tight friends with everybody to work with them. Sometimes actually being close friends with people can get in the way of working together because you think, well, come on, dude, I'm supposed to be your friend, you know? So what if I'm slacking on the job? And so taking advantage of that, that's not good. Sometimes uh, one party um, doesn't like another person. Maybe someone, you're trying to be their friend and you get the impression they don't like you or they're trying to be your friend and you don't particularly like them. Well, there won't be much friendship there unless one of you changes. But usually friendships develop when two people like each other and pursue their friendship. But, but that's not what we have here. Jesus says, you're my friends because I chose you. Because I pursued you. Jesus pursues his people. And that's so important that we remember that. And the further you go along in faith, the more obvious that will become to you. How often we think in matters of faith that the initiative is with us. Here Jesus says, you might think that, 
but you'd be wrong. It's, it's not true. Jesus says, I initiated the friendship that we have. Or as some of us might say, and that would include me, particularly those of us who are later life converts, we would say this, Jesus hunted me down. The hound dog of heaven was, was after my soul and came. I don't know about you. I know a lot of people said, you know, oh, I was, I was eight years old and I just you know, realized that Jesus was my Lord and Savior and that was great. And other people like, oh, that was wonderful. I came into the, into the kingdom kicking and screaming. <laughs> I know that the Lord chose me. I know that the Lord dragged me in. Jesus is very straightforward about this. He says, basically he says, you're my friend because I chose you. Why did he choose his friends? Why did, if you're a follower of Jesus, why would he choose you out of sheer grace and out of the character of his love? Think about that the next time you're feeling self-righteous because maybe your behavior is better than others. Think about that the next time this expression comes out of your mouth. Oh, those people. That's the attitude of a Pharisee. Instead of saying, but by the grace of God, there go I. Think about that the next time that you want to look down on people because you're a follower of Jesus and they are not. You know, for a lot of years, people did that. Now people look down upon followers of Jesus. Now you know, and I know how it feels. It's not right. There's nothing to be proud of in our sense of the, uh, that we're followers of Jesus because Jesus said, you're my friend because I chose you. And, and very interesting, perhaps that's what Jesus is doing with the apostles here. You say, you know, kind of, it's kind of weird. You know, he says, we're his friends. And then all of a sudden he turns around and he says, well, you're only my friends because Jesus says, you're my friends. And then he turns around and says, well, you're only my friends because I chose you to be my friends. Maybe that's what he's doing with the apostles. Maybe after telling about them, about the special place that they have in his heart and in his plan, that maybe he's just saying to them to really knock down their pride a little bit. Listen, Don't think you're all it, man, because you're not. You're my friend because I chose you. Next, uh, here in verse 16, he says that he appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Jesus chose the apostles. Jesus chose you. Jesus chose me, if you are a follower of Jesus, for a specific ministry. Now, that may change over time, but the the ministry of loving one another is one that will never change. That's a lifer. That is going to be all the way. And so we are all to go, so it's active. Now, sometimes some of the older people will say, well, what's my ministry? I feel like all I do is I sit home all day and I pray, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you have the most powerful ministry in the entire church. Are you kidding me? So when Jesus says go, that you should go, it means it's active. We're not passive in serving God. And you should go and bear fruit. And that fruit is to remain. Now, what does all this mean? Well, we said earlier in the chapter that fruit could mean, that he talked about earlier in chapter 15, that that fruit could mean character. It could be associated with the fruit of the Spirit from the book of Galatians chapter 5. 
But, but, but here, he could be talking about a different kind of fruit. When you take the word fruit and you connect it to the mission of Jesus, Jesus said, I told you all the things about me. It seems here that, that the, the connection is that we are to go out to see people become committed followers of Jesus Christ. Not to see them be Christian in name only, but to people, see people who have turned to God, put their trust in Jesus, and they are following hard after him. So Christian, let me ask you a very, very soul-searching question. Are you willing to accept the fact that you have been set aside by Jesus to lay down your life for others. Remember, he said, greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Are you willing to accept that fact? You see, if we as a church, and I, and I know some of you live in other countries and, and other, other states and stuff like that, but let's just talk about us as the church collective, and then there are those that attend here, so the church located right here uh, in New Jersey, in northwest New Jersey. So if, if that is our attitude, that we'll, we're willing to lay down our lives for others so they could become followers of Jesus Christ, that will kill, that will annihilate the comfortable church club mentality. And it's so easy to become that. You say, well, how do I know if I've fallen into that? As soon as the service is over, you beeline for your friends. Or you don't really, not so much interested in, in other people. Because it's very easy to become the frozen chosen. It's very easy to become the church that thinks it's about the Lord's work, but it's not about the Lord's work. Jesus' friends serve. Please, let me say that again. Jesus' friends serve. We are not cul-de-sacs of grace. We are not consumers of goods, religious goods and services. Jesus' friends serve. Now, that can take a variety of forms. Some of you have a variety of gifts. And you think, oh, my gift's not that important. Very, very important. There are so many people in our church that do so many different things that allow me to spend most of my mornings alone with my Bible begging God for a message. I just, I'm like, help, help, help. But if I'm worried about all these other things, I can't do that. You know, we have, usually when church is on, we've got all these kids running around. I love that. I love that. I, and I love it when the older people come up to me and they go, I love all the kids hanging around you, Pastor Jim. I used to be terrified of my pastor. And I always say, I only want the adults to be terrified of me. I don't want the, grown, I don't want the kids to be terrified. That's not true. I don't want people to be terrified of me. But you know what happens when you got a lot of kids running around? Something always breaks. Something always breaks. If we had to call in somebody, uh, 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 pay somebody to come in and fix something every time something broke, we'd be bankrupt because we have a lot of stuff to do around here. And some people in our church are very handy. So we call in the handy guys, the handy women. I'm the unhandy man, right? And so we have a lot of people who do a lot of things, the shopping, 
serving, uh, doing hospitality. I don't even know how to make coffee in this building. Guys who put on the sound ministry and the electronics and all this kinds of stuff like that. Really just wonderful things that people help out with. And so God gives us all a ministry. Jesus' friends serve. It can take a variety of forms. Why? So other people can hear the good news. I mean, ultimately, that's what we are about. But it's a team effort that comes together so other people can hear the good news, so other people can be saved, other people can have their sins forgiven and eternal life with God. And that, loved ones, that is the fruit that remains. Some versions say the fruit that lasts. That is the fruit that continues all the way on into eternity. And and believe it or not, this is one of the greatest privileges of being a friend of Jesus, a life of fruitful Christian service. In verse 2 of this chapter, the Lord called it, Lord Jesus called it fruit. Then in the same verse, he called it more fruit. Then in verse 8, he called it much fruit. And here in verse 16, he calls it fruit that will remain or fruit that will last. See, the Lord is looking for fruit that lasts. He's not looking for us just to look good, like I'm looking good, you know, and or he's not looking for us just to try and look spiritual. That's not what he's looking for. And, and the interesting thing is that when you grow in faith, as you are maturing, I don't like to say somebody's mature because that kind of seems like they've arrived, but I have a lot of deeply maturing friends both in this church and outside the church. And I tell you what, they know how to see and spot phony fruit. They'll they'll see it. And when people are just trying to act spiritual, they'll say, I'm not so sure about that. Be careful of plastic fruit. Be very careful. What is plastic fruit? Plastic fruit, we know our fruit is going from good fruit to plastic fruit when we're not growing. And we constantly need to be growing. And we have talked about this earlier in the, in the, in the season of COVID-19. A lot of people are going further away from God instead of further to God. When we, plastic fruit is when, it, when our life is not changing. Sometimes it's painfully slow. I get it. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, two steps back and one step forward. But Jesus' fruit is fruit that grows us from the inside out, and it is life-changing. But the followers of Jesus that know that they owe everything to the Lord, they will want this above all else in their lives. They will want to bring God glory. They will want to see their service to be part of the fruit that lasts. I used to say this a lot when we first started the church, and I need to start saying it again. What I really want for the area in which we live is the name of Jesus Christ to be famous in Northwest New Jersey. That's really what I want. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be well-known. It's rough for me. I go to the store, and I'm kind of cranky online. You know how they, they always check out right before you get there? And uh, people are like, well, if you learned how to do self-checkout, Jim, I know, I know. But, but then all of a sudden, I, I, you know, it's taking forever, and I want to get up and complain. And just as I get up to pay the bill, somebody goes, oh, hi, Pastor Jim. Right? So, so God's always got his eye on me, and he's always got it checking, checking on me. But I don't want to be famous. 
I want the name of Jesus Christ to be famous. The great quote from the British missionary uh, who lived 100 years ago, C.T. Studd, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Great, great quote. You know, at this point, I think for the apostles and I think for all of us, it would be only natural for us to doubt our ability. And, and Jesus knows that. And I think he gives us a word or words of great encouragement. He says this, that at, at the end of uh, verse 16, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now, a lot of people have taken that to mean like, oh, that's great. I want a new $80,000 car in Jesus' name. <laughs> I, I want an airplane in Jesus' name. I, I, you know, I claim a mansion in Jesus' name. That's not what he's talking about. Remember, loved ones, when we study the Bible, context is king. What is the context of this passage? Loving one another and bearing fruit. In the first section, verses 1 through 11, it was abiding and being fruitful. In this section, it's loving one another and being fruitful. So really, if you take 1 through 17, the big concept is bearing fruit. So you say, well, what does it have to do with God giving us, you know, what we ask? A true follower of Jesus prays for fruit. A true follower of Jesus prays for their own personal perseverance in, in seeking to be fruitful. A true follower of Jesus prays for a more fruitful relationship with God and more fruitful service to God and towards their fellow man. Now you say, why would they pray like that? Because they know that fruitfulness comes out of the faithfulness of God. Fruitfulness, the fruitfulness of your life and of my life in our character, in our, in our seeing people grow in their faith and seeing some people become followers of Jesus Christ, that comes out of the faithfulness of God. It goes something like this. The Lord's faithfulness feeds our faithfulness. So if, if you're found to be faithful, please understand that that comes from God. And the more faithful you see God, the more faithful you will be. His love for us feeds our love for him. And it overflows in our hearts so much that it feeds our love for others. And so we let the Lord feed our hearts and our souls to the point that we are overflowing with whatever it is that God has asked for us to do. The fact that the Lord has chosen us to go and do his work, here we see we can ask the Lord for help. We can ask, say, Lord, I need help in being fruitful. And that should motivate us to go. That should stop us from going through the motion serving, but it should help us to serve more diligently and more lovingly, including working out difficulties we have with one another. Yet, loved ones, knowing we love and serve in the power of the Lord, that will help you to always, always remember that your labor is not 
in vain. You see, people who are proud when they're serving God, they, they act like or think like it's all their work. You can tell this by if they don't, if they don't do exactly what they want to do, they get down on themselves. Like I like to say to people, are you trying to impress or are you trying to serve? If you're trying to, listen, every time I'm done up here, I, I walk away and, and I'm on the way up, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm stealing Charles Haddon Spurgeon's line. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. On the way down, I'm like, what was that, God? I'm sorry, man. Like, I could have done so much better, but at least I read some Bible in between. You know, but, but I'm not beating myself up about it. So we have to ask ourselves, are we trying to impress or trying to serve? The people who are proud think it's all them. And those who lack trust in Jesus wilt in the day of trouble. Wilt when things don't go the way they want it to do. But, but, but friends of Jesus, they sort of do as the old expression goes. They work like it all depends on them and they pray like it all depends on God. And so they give all the effort that they can to it. But they realize that unless the Lord builds the house, we who labor, labor in vain, as the psalmist wrote. Verse 17 closes with the familiar words. He also said them in similar words in verse 12. These things I command you that you love one another. So after telling us in verses 1 through 11 to abide, verse 12 to love one another, then he chose us to bear fruit, then he closes once again with love one another. Now in the very next section, this is what we call a bridge verse, it's bridging us into the next section, he's going to teach them that tough times are ahead. And the reality is for us, maybe tough times are ahead for us too, but what will get them through it? Abiding in Jesus and their love, and their care, and their concern for one another. The motivation for this is this. We love one another because Jesus first loved us. The motivation is this, that our love is an extension of his love for us. Do you know that love, friend? You can if you're willing to put your trust in Jesus today. You see, Jesus wants more than sheer obedience from us. Why? Because sheer obedience doesn't last. It just doesn't last. Jesus wants an obedience that is an expression of our love for him. Jesus wants obedience that is a response of his love for us. I want to be honest about something for a second. I'm a bit saddened that Jesus has to keep telling both the apostles and us to love. Like he has to keep telling us over and over. It makes me wonder, is is true Christ-like love that uncommon in this world? Perhaps he's telling us over and over again so we would never doubt or forget the importance of it because it's very easy to let ill feelings creep into our hearts. But the idea here is that we keep on loving one another like Jesus loved us. So our mission is clear, to love God and to love one another. That's such a big part of being branches that abide in the vine. This is what love does. Remember the series is called What Love Does? What love does is it loves. 
Thank God that Jesus' love for his heavenly Father and for us was consistent and Jesus faced the cross head on because he loved you, because he wanted to obey his heavenly Father, because he knew that dying on the cross was the only way that you and I could get to heaven. If you're not a follower of Jesus, today this is a call to you to turn to God and to put your trust in Jesus. You say, well, well how do I know if I've cho- he's chosen me? Well, if you turn to God and put your trust in Jesus, you will know that Jesus has loved you and that Jesus has chosen you. This is a call to you to the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. This is a call to you to a fresh start for Jesus to make, well, as the word of God says, all th- to make all things new. It is a call to experience the love of Jesus and then to begin to bear the fruit like a tree that bears good, delicious fruit. You will begin to bear the fruit of that love. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.